We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. He's living in our hearts. Jesus is alive and well. Amen. Amen. I love Resurrection Sunday. Um, we get together every Sunday, which is the first day of the week, which is really Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. Did you know that? That's why we gather on Sundays. Instead of Saturday, the Sabbath, we gather on Sundays because the, 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 the newly formed church, the newly birthed church back in the book of Acts, started meeting on Sundays to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every single Sunday. So let every Sunday be Resurrection Sunday, amen? And let every day be Resurrection Day in our lives because Jesus is alive and well. Kids, you're, you're dismissed to go into children's ministry. God bless you all. And by the way, I just want to point out, if you're not part of a Life Together group, we're, we just want to encourage you to come be part of those wonderful um, opportunities that are there for you to get to know people and to grow the Lord in that way. If you're a Life Together leader, would you just wave at me and just kind of wave at the congregation? You can see around the different people that are leading groups. And I want to thank you. Would you give each of these a hand for and thanks for their opening up their homes and their hearts to minister. And if you're not part of one, man, come do what the website said there. The announcements, go to the website and get on there and find a group that you can get plugged into. If this is your first time here, we welcome you. Um, some of you folks are here visiting and, and we're glad to have you from out of town. Met several folks and some of you are here for Easter. And so we welcome you also online. Those of you who are watching live on Facebook Live, we welcome you. Uh, if you did not get an element, uh, a communion element, a cup and a wafer, please let me know right now. Just lift up your hand and the ushers will make sure you get uh, a cup and a, and a wafer because we're going to receive communion during my message today. So if you haven't received one by chance, just lift up your hand, just leave it up, and the ushers will get you one. Sounds like, looks like every, the ushers did a great job this morning. They, everybody got one. Awesome. Tom's raising his hand over there. He, Tom's stuck in the corner. He's been a bad boy. <laughs> no. God bless you, Tom. But if you are watching from home, too, please get out a cracker and some juice, something like that, and we'll also be receiving communion at home, and you're, you're welcome to join us as well. So get that ready, if you will, while we're, uh, as, we, as we get to it, so you can make sure and have those prepared for you. But the rest of you guys, go ahead and make sure you have those elements handy, because we're going to be um, enjoying, uh, part, uh, remembering Christ in that way uh, during, the, uh, during the message today. I'm so thankful that Jesus is alive and well. Amen? You know, as, as I said, we meet here every Sunday, uh, and that's why we meet on Sundays, and that's why the church meets on Sundays, because we're um, acknowledging that we serve a Savior who is alive in the world today. He's living in our hearts, and the reason that we know that He's alive is that actually, it's not just because we think He is, but we know He is based on eyewitness accounts of over 500 people that saw Him alive after he was crucified, after he, breathed his, after he breathed his last, after he was put in the tomb, and then he rose again, you see, there was about over 500 witnesses that said, yeah, I saw him. I talked with him. I ate with him. I heard him speak to me. We had relation, communion together. We talked together. I, I, I know he's alive. I didn't just hear from somebody. This is a fact. In fact, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 7, here's the... Uh, headlines in the, the news article of that day uh, that was written back then. For what I received, this is Paul writing this, 
What I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. I'm so glad they didn't just stay buried, amen? But he rose again on the third day. And then he appeared to Peter, and then to the, 12, uh, to, to the rest of the disciples. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and the sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have, have passed on. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And so he appeared to a lot of people. He didn't just rise again and disappear up into heaven. And we have to think, well, the tomb's empty, so we have to assume some stuff. No, it's documented. It's a fact. Jesus is alive and well by witnesses of over 500 people. And we read that some 2,000 years later, and we realize he's alive. And some people saw him ascend to heaven too. I mean, he's alive. He, he, is, he is alive, and he's living in our hearts today. I love the fact that Jesus was not only crucified on Friday, and he stayed in the tomb on Saturday, but then he rose again from the dead on Sunday. I love that fact that we serve a risen Savior. And to put it another way, what he did was he shed his blood for our sins on Friday. When he said, it is finished, he saw your need for a Savior some 2,000 years later and said, I took care of it on your behalf. And then he conquered death and hell and the grave. What we sang about here just a few moments ago on that Saturday. What was he doing? Just laying around? No. He was taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan himself. He said, I'll take those. Thank you very much. You read it in Revelation 1.18. You see what I'm talking about. So that happened on Saturday. He was busy. And then on Sunday, he rose to life. Eternal. And by the way, the Bible says that he is the first fruits of all those who are going to be risen again and live forevermore. We too who have eternal life in Christ will be in heaven one day with him. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 20 through 25 says it this way. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or those who have passed on. Since death came through a man, that's Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, that's Jesus. For as Adam, in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes or returns, those who belong to him. And then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God and the Father, God the Father, after he's destroyed all dominion, all authority, and all power, for he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his Feet. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who is going to put all enemies under his feet. You look out at what's going out in the world today. I got, a, I got news for you. They're not bigger than Jesus. They're not more powerful than Jesus. All those things that are going on will one day bow their knee and confess their tongue. And Jesus will put them under his feet because we serve the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He's coming back and he's going to come and to reign and rule forever. Amen. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is God. <laughs> you know, we've been looking at this over the last several weeks. Many times Jesus had powerful interactions with people during mealtimes. Jesus ate a lot, and so do we, because food is important to us. We all eat, don't we? Some of us say, yeah, too much, right? Some of us got a big old meal planned for right after here, you know? But we need to eat to survive. But there's a lot of choices for food out there, isn't there? Some are more healthy. We kind of push aside the salad and the fruits and the vegetables, and we kind of move that out of the way so we can get to that fried chicken, don't we? And that other sort of stuff. Man, I, I'm a big fan of fried chicken, as you can tell. There's some more healthy options. There's some that are not so healthy. 
You know the old phrase that says, junk in, junk out? Good stuff in, good stuff out? Or better put, you are what you eat? This not only goes with physical foods, by the way, but it also goes with the things, other things that we consume. And I'm not here to be a dietitian to you this morning as it relates to what we eat with food, but I am a spiritual dietitian for you this morning. And I want to make sure that we consume the things that God has prepared for us. Because you see, Satan would love for you to consume all the things that he has to offer. But I promise you that what Satan has to offer is junk food. It's not going to go well with you if you consume and if you keep consuming those things that Satan offers you. In fact, John 10.10 is a very familiar scripture to many of us, and it describes the end results of what Satan offers. Satan's job description is one that steals and kills and destroys, and what he offers you will steal from you, it will destroy you, and it will kill you. That's what Satan offers. And we all say to that, well, I'm not going to consume that, But the fact is, is that we do it all the time. There's a lot of junk food in the world that is offered right now. And it's all designed to draw you away from Jesus. And it's designed to not just draw you away from Jesus, but it's to draw you into bondage. But I'm here to proclaim to you today, there's there's a better way. There's a better way. Because the things that Jesus has to offer are health and life to our spirits, and our minds, and our emotions, and our bodies, and our relationships, and our finances, and our careers, and really to every facet of our life. Because if you read the last part of John 10.10, where Satan's job is to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus' goal for our lives is that we might have life and have it to the full. I like that part, and that's the part that I choose to embrace. How about you? I want to have life and have it to the full in Christ, don't you? And I think that's why you're here this morning. Just like bad choices of consumption will impact every area of our lives, so will also good choices impact every area of our lives. So my encouragement to you today, that you would be making a godly wise choice in everything that you consume spiritually and taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Would you say that with me? Taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Amen? Now, if you don't normally attend church and you're here because it's Easter Sunday, we're so glad to have you. But I also want to welcome you back next Sunday. And I want to welcome you back the following Sunday and then the following Sunday. And then let it become a habit to you because you need to come to a place. You need to, uh, you need to engage. You need to get in close proximity to the things that are of the Lord. And the things that are of the Lord, you're going to find right in here. Because these are God's people, and this is God's word, and this is his house, and this is his presence. And he's here to help you to be more like Christ, to consume him, to taste and see that he's good. So that you can grow in him and become more like him and fulfill his goal and his purposes and his plans for your life. Amen? So I invite you, and I promise you that this church is going to point you in the direction of Jesus every single day we can help you to discover the life that he has for you to the full. But today, as we're continuing with this Dining with Jesus series, we're going to look at the Last Supper, what we know as the Last Supper. Jesus had with his disciples, it was the night before he was crucified. So you all have your elements, so we're going to get those handy. We're going to uh, 
dig into that in just a little bit. But let's, I want, uh, first I want to read to you this event that was described really in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke was described in detail. John, it was kind of referred to, but then there was something else that happened after that that we're going to get into. And I want to, I want to read to you not just these uh, accounts from the different Gospels, and, and, and I don't want you to consider this as a story from some 2,000 years ago, but the Bible is just as relevant today as it's always been. And there's things that we can apply to our lives today that are in, these, in, these, in this account from some 2,000 years ago. So let's look at Matthew chapter 26. We're going to start there. We're going to go in order. And we're going to start in verse 26 and go to verse 29. It says this, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I'll not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom." So we see that Jesus took the cup and he took the bread, he blessed them both, he distributed them, and then he connected them to his body and to his blood. But then he also said he wouldn't drink from this fruit of the vine until a certain appointed time in the future. That's very important. That's included in all of these accounts. So keep that in mind. It's not just the body and the blood, but it's also that he said that he won't be doing it again until a certain appointed time. Let's look at the next account in Mark chapter 14, verse 22 through 25. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Pretty much an identical account because Mark took a lot of what Matthew wrote, and you can see a lot of the patterns there in both of those books. Let's look at Luke's account. Starting in Luke chapter 22, we're going to start in verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I'll not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I'll not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Again, a nearly identical account and description of this, with this one small addition, the same three elements. You have the cup, you have the bread, but then Luke adds the declaration that he wouldn't have another Passover supper until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So again, here's this appointed time, but it fleshes it out even more by saying there's a meal involved here that he won't be having until the appointed time. Finally, let's look at the account in John, starting in John chapter 13. Now, John chapter John doesn't really give a description of, of what we just read in the first three Gospels. He doesn't talk about the bread and the, and, and the cup. He says they had... They had a meal, and there was, there was a, a time of, of communion, but he didn't get into detail of it. But I want to point out this one thing, starting in verse 21, because all four accounts actually talk about this as well, but it's really fleshed out in the, in the book of John. It says, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. 
One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, we know that as the John, who is the author of this book, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. So leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And then Jesus answered, is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. So again, we see all four accounts that tell Jesus, uh, all four accounts really tells it that Jesus points out that there's this, to the disciples who was getting ready to betray him. Someone was getting ready to betray him. John doesn't go into the details how Jesus blessed the communion elements like the other three accounts. Instead, he focuses on this betrayal. So I want us to unpack these, this very familiar story, especially as it relates to Easter Sunday. And let's see what the Holy Spirit would have to teach us today. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, we thank you today for this time. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd help us to not be distracted with anything that would take away from what you would have us to learn today, to apply to our lives so Jesus, we pray against weariness, we pray against distraction and thinking about what's going to be happening uh, in, in the rest of this day or, or what happened this past week or, 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 or distracted with what's going on on our phones right now that we would lay our phones and other sorts of things aside and just push all of it away. And Father, that we would focus on you. Lord, let our spirits be attuned to what you would have us to have uh, applied to our lives today. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what we have here today is this, let's talk about the bread first. The bread, as we know, is his body. Now, let's talk about a couple of things about the bread and his body. First, that his body or this bread was broken that we might be made whole. Now, you've heard me say this so often, it feels like a, almost a broken record here, but I, I got to say it again because this text requires it. It's calling for it today in that we live in a broken world and everyone has brokenness in their lives. There's broken marriages, there's broken hearts, there's broken promises, there's broken government systems that we're living in, there's broken morals, there's broken people. And in fact, there's not one person in this place today that hasn't been impacted by either your own brokenness or the brokenness that's taking place peripherally that somehow you hear about or that impacts you. In fact, I would say that there's even a fair number of people here today that are actually living in some sort of active, heavy brokenness in your life right now. You've come into this house, you've dressed up nice, you got a smile on your face, but just behind that veneer of that smile is brokenness. What you've done is you've come in lugging a heavy load. You've come in living under a seemingly hopeless and ever-growing heavy burden in your life. And you're here. And thank God that you're here. But you're broken. But did you know that Jesus is aware of and that he's right there with you in your current brokenness? He's not just here because you're here and when you leave, He's going to be here and you're going to go away on your own. He's going to go with you in your brokenness. He's with you in the midst of your heavy burden. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I love that qualification. He's close to all of us, but there's a specific 
fact that he wants us to know that he's close to you, especially in your brokenheartedness. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's the God that we serve today. The, the Lord Jesus Christ, who said it is finished, saw your burden, saw your heaviness, saw your crushed spirit, and said, I'm close to that. In other words, he's drawn to that. He's drawn to the heaviness. He's drawn to the crushing. He's drawn to the burden in your life. And he says, I'm here. Let me carry it for you. I'm your burden bearer. In fact, the Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. You don't even have to say his name in here uh, only. You can say it in your bedroom. You can say it in your car. You can say it in the deepest, darkest places in your life. Wherever you are, when you feel all alone, if you'll simply say the name of Jesus, he's there. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. And to all who call on him in truth. So in your heaviness, in your brokenness, in that burden that you're bearing, in the darkest, deepest struggle of your, of your life, when you feel completely abandoned, when you feel completely helpless, let me encourage you today to call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. Because he's there when you call on him. And he's there to help lift you up, to carry you, to pick up your brokenness and your heaviness, and to help you along your way. Call on the name of Jesus. If you've ever seen any movies or read any of the biblical accounts of the crucifixion, you'll understand the absolute agony that Jesus experienced as he was beaten, and as he was bloodied, and as he was wearied and broken, as he carried that heavy cross up the hill to Calvary. Jesus is close to the brokenhearted, because he, his heart was broken too. In fact, when they pierced his side after he breathed his last breath on the cross, the Bible says in John 19, 34, that blood and water came pouring out. If, you're a, if you know anything about the medical field, which I know very little, but I know this because I read about it, that when blood and water poured out, that simply means that Jesus died of a broken heart. Water gathered around his heart from all the pressure and the stress and the weariness. And as that sword went up in him, it pierced the outer layers of his heart and blood and water came pouring out. I mean, we just, we just read that he was betrayed by one of his closest friends, Judas. One of the men that he hung around with for three years that he poured his life into, that he trusted. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever been stabbed in the back? Have you ever been done dirty? Have you ever been lied about? Mistreated? Falsely accused? Have you ever had all your friends leave you high and dry? Have you ever felt like you were all alone? You see, Jesus experienced all of those things in a 24-hour period. We stretch that out over our lifetime. He got it all bombarded on him. In a 24-hour period, he understands. Yes, he understands. Jesus is close to you, and he's here to save you in your brokenness. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That sounds like a pretty good deal on our part, but oh, the price Jesus paid. Amen? 
Let's not ever take that for granted or be lighthearted about that. Today is a day that we need to soberly and graciously and gratefully thank Jesus for what he's done for us. Let it be a reminder that again, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace uh, was on him and by his wounds. We're healed. It's a favorite song of mine from the 1990s by a man by the name of Wayne Watson. Some of you might know this song. It's called The Friend of a Wounded Heart. Listen to these lyrics. It says, smile, make them think you're happy. Lie and say that things are fine. And hide that empty longing that you feel. Don't ever show it. Just keep your heart concealed. Why are the days so lonely? I wonder where, where can a heart go free? And, and who will dry the tears that no one's seen? There must be someone to share your silent dreams. Caught like a leaf in the wind looking for a friend. Where can you turn? Whisper the words of a prayer and you'll find him there. Arms open wide. Love in his eyes. His name is Jesus. And he meets you where you are. His name is Jesus. And he heals your secret scars. All the love that you're longing for is Jesus, the friend of a wounded heart. There's not a friend in the world that you can have that's any better than Jesus. When Jesus took the bread, he broke the bread. He didn't just give it to him whole, but he, he broke it. Symbolically, visually, as the, as the disciples were seeing it, he said, take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Jesus, by the way, chose to have his body broken. He allowed it to happen. It wasn't done to him without him choosing to say yes or no. He said yes. He chose. He gave himself willingly for us that he might make our brokenness whole in him. I know you're broken today. I'm broken today. We're all broken. Whatever it is that's broken in your life, Jesus wants to make it whole in him. He's been broken so that we might be made whole. So what are you broken about today? Give Jesus your brokenness today because his brokenness makes you whole today. So Jesus not only was broken that we might be made whole, but he also gave his life that we might have life. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. Here's the fact of things. I don't think I need to, this is not a surprise to anybody. We're born, we live, and then we die. That's the cycle of life. But you know, it didn't start that way. When God created man and woman in the Garden of Eden, he made them to be eternal beings. You see, we weren't supposed to die. But then Satan deceived Adam and Eve, and this corrupting sin entered into humanity, and really into the, all of creation. And along with that corrupting sin came 
death. Sin brings death, and no one can escape it. But there is a remedy for this sin sickness. Thank God. Jesus voluntarily gave his life for us, dying on the cross, so that we could have eternal life in him. Hebrews 9.28, the first part of it says that Jesus was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. Jesus knew we couldn't earn salvation. I mean, you might try to be good all day long. You can't earn salvation. Jesus knew that we could never be good enough. Jesus knew that we could never be strong enough. Jesus knew that we could never be determined enough. It's not by works that we have salvation. The Bible says, lest any man should boast. Salvation is a free gift received by faith in Jesus' finished work. You see, Jesus' death brings us eternal life so that we, we can be restored back to right relationship to God the Father that was broken in the garden, but is restored through faith in Jesus' finished work. That's what Easter is all about. Romans 8.13 8, says, For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you live by the Spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the body and you'll live. How many wants to live? You see, without Jesus, you're going to die in your sin. And by the way, you're going to live forever somewhere. We all are. When we die, that's not it. Our bodies die, but our souls live forever. If you die in your sin without Jesus, you will live forever in a place called hell. Hell exists. It's real, but it was not designed and created for man. It was created and designed for Satan and all of his demons. But by default, when we choose to reject Christ and say, nah, I'm good, then you made the choice to go to hell, not God, because God's made a way for us through Jesus Christ. So we're not going to blame God because someone's going to hell today, and they die in their sins. They made that choice. They rejected Jesus. Don't you make that same mistake. If you die without Jesus Christ in your heart, you will live eternity in hell. You may not hear that from too many pulpits these days, but you're going to hear it from this pulpit. But here's the other part of it. With Jesus, you're also, your body's going to die. But if you're forgiven of your sins, you will live forever in a place called heaven. And heaven is just as real as hell. And I don't know about you, but I've read the headlines to both, and I want to go to heaven. How about you? Jesus knew this was the only way. So he willingly gave his life for you and for me. And that's what we remember today. When Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, that's what communion is all about. It's about the body broken and the body killed. Broken that we might be made whole and killed that we might have life. That's why we have this bread. That's why we break it. And that's why we receive it every single month here at Faith. I want you to take that bread out. If you're at home, also get ready to take the bread out. Don't break it yet. Just take it out of, the, out, of, out of the container and hold it in your hands. You see, this bread that you're holding in your hands, it's a reminder that this bread is actually Jesus' body. And this bread that we're getting ready to break 
is being broken that we might be made whole. And it's also consumed into our bodies that we might allow Jesus to consume us as Savior and Lord. Dying to ourselves and living for him on this earth and spending eternity with him in heaven. I want you to bow your heads and let's bless this element that represents the body of Christ. Jesus, we thank you that your body was broken, that we might be made whole, and that your body was consumed in death, that we might be consumed with your eternal life in us. Father, for every broken person, every broken situation in this place, I pray right now for your wholeness, your healing, your strength, your comfort, your power, your provision. All that you are is all that we need. We call out to you. We give you our brokenness. We thank you that you're the friend of a wounded heart. You're the friend of my wounded heart. You make me whole. I want you to just break that bread right now. Just break it, but don't eat it yet. Now, see, you just broke that bread. I want you to just take a look at it for just a second because you see, that's what happened to Jesus' body. Just hold that brokenness in front of you just a second, that broken element. That's what Jesus did for you. But the transaction is, is that brokenness that is representative of his body is, will in turn, he's making us whole. So I, I want you to just... I want you to just speak into that as if this is the body of Christ right now because that's really what it's representing. Say, all right, Lord, I give you this brokenness. And go ahead and just in your own way, you don't have to say it out loud, but just bow your heads and just say, Lord, I, I give you this brokenness, this situation, this hurt, this struggle. Just, just give it to him right now. And say, now, Lord, here it is. I, I give it to you. I'm tired of carrying it. I'm tired of it controlling me. I'm tired of it destroying me bringing, uh, uh, stealing and killing and destroying my life. I'm not going to let Satan win anymore. I I'm not going to, I'm not going to let him have one more moment, not one more ounce of my energy, not one more moment of my time. Not, not one more, not one more thing has been going to be stolen away from me. I, I choose to give you Jesus, my brokenness. You have been broken for me. I step into the wholeness that you provide for me right now. You have been killed that I might have life. And so I step into that. I, I, as I consume this bread, may you consume me right now. Get into the fibers of the cells of my being, all that represents me. As this bread gets into me, may it represent you. And I welcome you and invite you to every cell of every fiber of my being. Everything physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, everything that represents me. I invite you into it. Saturate me with who you are. Get into every, every area of my life. I open up the doors wide for you. Come on in. I want to be like you, Jesus. And what I say, what I do, what I think, I want you to be my Lord. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for blessing us with your brokenness that we might be made whole and that, you are, that as we consume you, that you'll consume us. Let's receive that bread right now in Jesus' name. Now, in your own way, just verbally, just out loud or in your heart, just thank him that what you committed to him, don't pick it back up, 
Don't let him just, don't let him have it on loan. Let him sign the bottom line of that thing. Let him own it. Release it to him. Give it to him completely. And thank him that he's your victor. He's your guide. He's your healer. He's your deliverer. He's all that you need to get you from that brokenness into him making you whole. And also thank him that it, as you consume that bread, that you invite him and let it be something that you do from this moment on. I'll in, I'll invite him to consume you, to get into every part of you. Make that commitment right now to him. Lord, we commit to you our lives in service to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's what this weekend from Friday to Saturday to today is all about. We don't just serve a risen Savior, Lord, but we serve a Savior who's been broken for us and who died for us that we might be made whole and that, we might be, that you might be our Lord, that we might be consumed by you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you, Lord, as we place our faith in you that we are one day going to get to go to heaven and spend eternity with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just thank him out loud this morning? Just thank him. Just thank him. You're, you're all right to just open up your mouth and give him thanks. It's all right. It's all right. I mean, I'm excited about, uh, I'm excited that, that uh, there's a solution to my brokenness today, aren't you? I, I can be made whole in Christ. Hallelujah for that. Uh, I, I'm not, I know that when I die one day, uh, I know I get to go to heaven. Hallelujah for that. I, I'm so grateful. Where would I be without you, Jesus? Where would we be, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We have this cup now that we have left. What are we going to do with it? His cup represents his blood. His cup represents his blood. Now, his blood, there's some elements to this as well, some specifics. His blood was shed that we might be cleansed. Now, this is kind of gets into some Old Testament stuff, so I'm not going to get too deep into it, but the very first sacrifice for sin came just after Adam and Eve sinned. If you look at Genesis 3.21, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now, where do those garments of skin come from? It came from animals. And the animals didn't just walk around without skin on them. God took the life of that animal or those animals and took the skin and created some clothing for Adam and Eve to wear because there was a nakedness that was there. It says that, it says that Adam and Eve saw that they were naked. They walked around Without any clothes. But, you know, you can say that. It's like, well, okay, but they just walked around naked. That feels a little weird. But they weren't ashamed. There was nothing to be ashamed of. But I think, too, it wasn't just that their, that their bodies were exposed, but there was a sin, there was a sin that was exposed. There was, there was a shame that was there based on the choice that they made to disobey God. And so there was this sense of covering, yes, physically, but also there's a sense of this covering of, of shame. And, and God provided this covering for them. So from then on, again, I don't want to get into the details of this, but from then on, if you read the Old Testament, if you're familiar with it, there was animal sacrifices that God required. And I'm happy to talk to you about that separately after church or sometime this week to tell you the different reasons as to why that happened. But just take my word for it and trust me that God, God's not some strange person who, who likes bloodshed and all that. That's not it at all. 
But there, is a, there was a need for a blood sacrifice that was required by God for the remission of sins in the Old Testament. And, and he set up a system, God did, for the priests with specific rules and regulations. And the priest would use the blood of animals to atone for the sins of man. Now, this was an unsustainable practice that took place, and it took place for thousands of years. It was temporary. It was a stopgap until Jesus came to earth. And the reason, again, that it's so significant that this weekend that we celebrate not only the broken body, but also the shed blood of Jesus, was that in the Old Testament, it was called the Old Covenant. Oh, what I just described was, was the old way. Jesus came and he shed his blood once and for all and it replaced the old covenant with what we now live in. It's called the new covenant. You see, Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. And therefore, his death and the blood that he shed was a perfect, sinless blood. And therefore, his sacrifice was permanently sufficient for all the sins of mankind. No matter what you've done, Jesus' blood covers your sin. You don't have to sacrifice. There hadn't been a sacrifice of animals in thousands of years in the Christian church. At least there shouldn't be. If you go to a church like that, run far away. Run, forest, run. There's no need for it. Jesus' blood was shed once. And for all. Soap cleans a dirty body, but it cannot scrub out the sins of a heart. You can wash all day long. I'm a pretty clean guy, Pastor. I use deodorant, use some soap, and I scrub in all kinds of places. Good for you. Thank you for smelling so good. You still have a dirty heart if you don't have the blood of Jesus washing it clean. Only Jesus' blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9 says, But if we walk in the light... As Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Doesn't say, and good works, if you attend church, if you believe in Jesus. I mean, you can believe in Jesus all, all day long. Guess what? Satan believes in Jesus. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Satan believes in Jesus. There's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. But if you place your faith in him and say, all right, Jesus, cleanse me with your blood of all my sin, of all my unrighteousness, because it's only your blood that purifies me. That's what this verse is saying. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You say, oh, I'm not a sinner. Yeah, you are. You just lied. That's your first sin. If we confess our sins, the Bible says, he is faithful and just and he'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. That purifies us from some, righteous, some unrighteousness. Most unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. Jesus took care of it. When he said, it is finished, he saw what you did, and that's all. I like that word all. It's a tiny little three-letter word, and it means so much. All unrighteousness. His blood purifies us from all our sins. And we all need the blood of Jesus. If you say that you don't, you're deceiving yourself today and you're believing a lie and you will die in your sins and you will spend eternity in hell. Only as we confess our sins to Jesus will he forgive us and purify us and put us back in right relationship with God the Father. Understand this, what was broken in the garden with disobedience and sin is restored back to God the Father through Jesus Christ. 
I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus, aren't you? Now, his blood was shed that we might be forgiven, but also his blood was pure that we might be perfected. And when we do, by the way, when we accept Jesus into our hearts and we allow his blood to perfect us, that's really where the fun begins because Jesus' Jesus blood is pure, Jesus' blood is perfect, Jesus' blood is without sin, Jesus' blood is without blemish, Jesus' blood is without fault. Jesus lived a sinless life, and that's why his shed blood was sufficient to wash us clean of our sins. And just as you can't cleanse a dirty body with muddy water, so you, can, you, can, you can't cleanse a dirty heart with blood from a sinful sacrifice. And as we allow Jesus to be our Savior by asking him into our hearts and to forgive us of all of our sins, he also then continues to make us more like him in our thoughts and in our words and in our actions. We allow him to be our Lord. It's this big, fancy spiritual word. You've heard me say it from the pulpit before. It's called sanctification. That's just a big old fancy spiritual word, isn't it? You know what that means, sanctification? It just means becoming more like Jesus and less like us. Do you realize that you're becoming sanctified in different ways, even not following Jesus? If you follow uh, some rock star, some pop star, some movie star, some sports figure, you want to become like them. Do you realize that you're becoming sanctified to be like them too? In other words, you're, you're just changing to be more like them, changing to be more like the world, changing to be more like this woke culture that's going out right there, and, and just going to follow like a lemming off of a cliff. But you're being sanctified to be like the world. You're being sanctified like, to be like somebody. How about let's be sanctified to be like Jesus? How about let's, how about let's let him renew uh, the, the, the things that we say and do and think. Let, 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 let those things change. I, I don't know about how, how about you, but how many likes the things that you say and do and think 100% of the time? Everybody good there? No? I didn't think so. I know that there's things that I wish that I'd do and say and think differently. But when we invite Jesus to not just be our Savior to wash us clean of our sins, but then also our Lord, which is then the journey with Him. It's the walk with Him. It's that relationship with Him. Then what happens when we invite Jesus to be the Lord of our lives? He takes the reins of our tongues, and therefore we talk differently. He, he takes the reins of our minds, and therefore we think differently. He, he takes the reins of our choices, and therefore we walk differently. And I tell you what, there's some things that I need to think and say and walk out differently every day of my life. How about you? Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the reins. Father, take charge of my life. I'm so thankful that he didn't just leave us to do this on our own, by the way. I thought Jesus ascended to heaven. When he died, he rose again and he ascended to heaven. What do we do now? I mean, he's just kind of holler out to him? No. He's in heaven, but he sent us his Holy Spirit. I love that. So thankful for His Holy Spirit, aren't you? His Holy Spirit is what walks with us and talks with us. He, he, it's the Spirit of Jesus. It's the Spirit of Christ. He's right there, not just by us, but He's in us. Christ is in us. His Spirit is in us. And therefore, He helps us in the things that we think and say and do and walk out. John 14, verse 16 and 17, and then skipping to verse 26 says, this is Jesus saying this, I'm going to ask the Father. And he's going to give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And he'll teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Hey, that sounds like a pretty good job description. It's pretty clear. The Holy Spirit in our lives is in there 
Not so that we can just speak in tongues and run around the aisles and say, we're Pentecostals. I mean, that's all fun and good and great. But man, I want the Holy Spirit to change me to be more like Jesus. And I want the Holy Spirit to empower me to go out and tell others about Jesus. And I want the Holy Spirit to come and just and, and, and teach me, remind me of all the things that Jesus said that's found in His Word so that it can become alive to me. That now Word as I'm studying His Word, it's like it hits me right between the eyes and it challenges me on things that I need to be challenged about. It, it, it encourages me in the things that I need to be encouraged about. It guides me in the ways that I need to be guided. His Word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, and His Holy Spirit illuminates that word to us. And he helps us in every area of our lives. You know, Jesus was restricted in his human body to be in one place at one time. But Jesus' spirit can be at all places at all times. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that helps us. Amen? That encourages us. Amen? I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that speaks truth to us. That he guides us. That he comforts us. And that he makes us more like Jesus. Amen? Jesus' pure blood cleanses us, and His Holy Spirit sanctifies us to make us more like Jesus. So before we receive this cup, I'd like to lead us into another prayer. Because I believe today, usually we do this at the end of the service, but I want to do it right now. Before you receive this cup, if you come into this place and you're watching here, by the way, before you receive that cup that you prepared there too, this is for everybody here within the sound of my voice. If you haven't asked Jesus to come into your heart, to be your Savior, to wash you clean of your sins, then you're taking this cup in vain. You're actually taking it in disobedience. You're kind of mocking the cup. Don't do it. Set it aside if you're not going to receive Jesus. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, do not receive this cup right now. Don't do it. Because this, this cup represents his pure blood that washes us clean and sanctifies us to be more like Jesus. So if you haven't allowed that to happen, then you're taking the cup in a mocking sort of way. But we can rectify that. I want to ask you this morning, if by chance you haven't received Jesus in your heart, and today is a very significant day in the Christian world, it's Easter, and I can't think of really a much better birthday to have in the Spirit, your second birthday being on Easter Sunday. And I want to invite you, in fact, I want to invite all of us to pray this prayer. And I want to invite you to accept Jesus into your heart. Allow that blood that we're talking about to cleanse your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, to put you back in right relationship to God the Father. Would you bow your heads with me and all of us pray this prayer together? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you today, to forgive me of my sins, wash me clean of all unrighteousness by your perfect blood. I invite you to come live in my heart, to be the Lord of my life from this day on. And I'm thankful now that I'm saved, that I'm a child of God, that my sins are washed clean, and I'm restored back to right relationship to God the Father. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord. Welcome to the family of God. If you said that prayer, you're now saved. All of your sins are past. They're forgotten. 
They're just gone. You may remember them. Satan might try to remind you, but Jesus is like, well, what sins? God's like, what sins? All I see is the blood of Jesus. You've been scrubbed clean. You're renewed. Isn't that good to know? Hallelujah. Now take this cup, and we won't take it in a mocking fashion. We won't take it in vain. We're taking with sincerity. Jesus says, when you take this cup, this cup is my shed blood for the remission of your sins. Would you receive this cup now? Lord, we thank you today for your perfect, sinless blood that was shed for our sins. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and, be the, and, and, and teach us to show, to show us how, to, how we can allow Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, to grow, to be more like Jesus, to sanctify us, to be more like Christ in all we say, all we do, all we think. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to land this plane here in just a few minutes. The bread, the blood. But there's one more thing that he said in this Last Supper that I think too often is overlooked. And before we leave this place today, if you can just hold on for just a few more minutes before you walk out of here, just turn around and have a seat back down, if you will. Many of us think that communion is only about the bread, and it's only about the blood, the cup. But Jesus included every single time that he wouldn't have this meal again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So there's not just two primary elements to communion, but there's three that we need to remember every single time that we receive communion. It's his body, and it's his blood, but it's also his return. Hebrews 9, 28, the last part of that scripture says, he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. How many knows that Jesus is coming back? I think it's so important to live our lives with the end in mind. And you may think, well, I'm only 15, 16, 17 years old. I'm just 20 or 30 years old. I got a lot of years ahead of me. Maybe so. But we're not guaranteed another day either. And Jesus could come back today. So I think every decision that we make in our lives, whether we're young, middle-aged, or older, that we always need to live our lives with the end in mind. Whatever that end is for you individually or for us as the human race. In this age of dispensation that we're in, in the age of grace. I don't know. Do you do, you do that? Do you live with the end in mind or you just live for just a moment? I don't know. But the fact is, is that we're all going to die unless Jesus comes and, and takes us away in the rapture. And we're going to end up in one of two places, like I said earlier, it's either heaven or hell. Those are the only two choices. There's no do-overs. There's no middle ground. I don't care what sort of theology you might have been crammed down your throat, but my Bible says there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It's just those two places, and that's it. No do-overs. This is it. We have one life to live. There's no reincarnation. This is it. And Jesus came the first time to bear our sins. Thank God. But he's coming back again to make things right again for all of creation. And thank God for that. The Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. And the Bible calls Jesus the bridegroom. So think about that relationship for just a minute. And one day very soon the Bible says that Jesus is going to come take his bride home with him. To heaven. 
And we know this, the word rapture doesn't appear in the Bible, but we know it commonly called the rapture. It's called the rapture. And this, this is going to be a once in all of human uh, history event, by the way. And the Bible describes it as happening in the twinkling of an eye. In other words, it's going to happen in less than a blink. It's going to happen, and you're not going to even know it happened unless you look around and say, where would everybody go? Yeah, I hope not too. I hope you don't say, where would everybody go? I hope you say, hey, this is pretty cool. I'm floating in the air. I'm flying up to Jesus. That's what I want to hear you say. The Bible describes very clearly what everything will look like in the world just before the rapture and without getting into another sermon today. Let me just tell you that all of the signs and the indicators are pointing squarely at the soon return of Jesus Christ. Simply yet profoundly put, we are just moments away from the rapture and all the Bible describes that will happen in the last days. In fact, I'd be surprised if we had another Easter gathering next year. I don't know, but it feels like that it's just so very soon. It could be at any moment. It's that close. Church, can't you just sense it in your spirit? Jesus is getting ready to make things right again. Can you sense it? The children of Israel's freedom from Egypt captivity was a landmark event that had been celebrated by the Jewish people for thousands of years. Even to this day, it's celebrated. The prophet Jeremiah wrote of this in Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. Listen to this. Jeremiah says, however, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but it will be said as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up from the land of the north and out of the countries where he had banished them, for I will restore them to the land I gave their ancestors. Now, we can take that scripture and say, well, hey, that's just Jesus saying, that's just God saying he's going to put the chosen people back in Israel. Hey, that happened in 1948, by the way, okay? That, that scripture, that prophecy has been fulfilled. But I think we can expand that out since we're grafted into the divine and we can expand it out to realize that it's also prophetic in nature that Jesus is going to come back. He's getting ready to do what, the, the same thing. Uh, our forgiveness of sins was our release from our slavery. Just like the children of Israel were released from the bondage in Egypt, we were released from our sins when Jesus came and said, it is finished. If you'll receive my free gift of salvation, I free you and I release you from the bondage of sin in your life. Just like the Israelites were in Egypt, but there's a greater day coming, just like in this scripture we just read. Not only are they going to be released from Egypt, Jeremiah said, but we're going to put them back in the promised land. Not only are we freed from our sins because of what Jesus has done, but one day, bride of Christ, the bridegroom is going to come and catch us up. And it's not just that we're free from our sins here, but we're going to be in heaven for all of eternity and no longer having to deal with any of this sort of stuff that's going on in the world today because he's getting ready to make all things new. He's going to restore us to this land in heaven that he created for their ancestors, Adam and Eve, us. And further, Jeremiah 16, I love this, the, the other part of this. If you continue reading in verse 16, he's getting ready not only to do that, to free us from our sins, which is kind of a down payment, but then one day heaven, which is like the final payment. But he's also going to do some other stuff. Jeremiah 16, 16 says this, but now I'm going to send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they're going to catch them. And after that, I'm going to send for many hunters, and they're going to hunt them down on every mountain and hill and from the crevices of the rocks. This is God speaking. My eyes are on all of their ways, and they're not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. I will repay them double for their wickedness and their sin because they've defiled my land with the lifeless forms of their vile images and have filled my inheritance with their detestable idols. Church, I know that you're weary from all the sin in the world today, but hear me today. 
It seems like Satan is winning, but he's not. Satan is not winning. Satan is not winning. Jesus is winning. There's a day of judgment that's going to come on this world. Jesus is going to hunt them down. Not one will escape. He sees it all. He sees their defilement. He sees their vile ways. And he'll repay them double for their wickedness and sin. I read in my Bible that in the end, Jesus is victorious. And we win, church. We win. We're on the winning side. So don't lose heart. We're on the home stretch. The signs are all around us. Jesus is coming back. He's looking forward to enjoying this feast that he hasn't had in some 2,000 years. I can just imagine him. Have you ever had, like, wanted to have a meal after a long time? He had a particular place that you, maybe your favorite place up where you used to live someplace. Oh, if I could just go back to that restaurant and have that favorite dish that I used to have. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, right? That's kind of what Jesus is, you know? He's like, man, I just, I'm not going to have this meal again. He said, I'm not going to have it again until I catch you up with me. So he's just, I'm sure he's just salivating right now. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, this is going to be so great. Not just to eat it, but to eat it with us. He just can't wait to get his bride home. Revelation chapter 19 talks about this, this meal. Verses 6 through 9, it says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roaring of rushing waters, and like the loud peal of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. That's us. And there's going to be a great celebration, a great, pro- a great proclamation. It's a, get ready. Here comes the meal, because here comes the bride. Oh, we've been waiting for this for some 2,000 years, and it's getting ready to happen. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. And then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. How many would like to be invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb? You know what the ticket is to it? You know what the invitation is? It's the, it's, it's the blood of Jesus on a ticket. It says, here you go. Here's your way in. The blood of Jesus covering your, the sins of your heart and a restored relationship to God the Father. We become the bride of Christ at that point. And Jesus says, I'm getting ready to come get you. And we're going to have this great, great wedding feast. I look forward to that day. It's going to be a feast unlike any meal we've ever had. His body broken that we might be made whole. His blood shed that we might be forgiven. And a feast being prepared where we're going to celebrate Jesus making all things new. That's what's getting ready to happen. It's going to be a whole lot better than that honey-baked ham you got for lunch today, I promise you. By the way, that's what communion to me does every time we receive it, not just his broken body and not just his shed blood, but let's include every time we celebrate it the reminder that I'm living my life with the end in mind. Jesus is coming back. Let's, let's that be a reminder to us every month when we receive communion. Jesus, I thank you for your body. I thank you for your blood. I also thank you that you're coming back soon. So I want to make my choices and decisions in life based on the fact that behold, the bridegroom cometh and I want to keep my oil ready in reserve. There's one more thing that we want to point out here as we wrap this up today. I want to go back to the point made to you about all the four of the Gospels, and unfortunately it represents uh, countless billions of people in the world today talking about when Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me. 
We all know this Judas. Judas who spent three full years walking with Jesus and listening to his teachings and witnessing the miracles and watching him interact with people and yet for some reason it wasn't enough. Now this message today could be the same for some here today listening whether you're watching on, from home or here in this room. You've heard this message again and again. You spent Easter's coming in with your family and friends and this is the one of two Sundays that you come, Easter and Christmas. We call you Christers. And today, I'm sad to say, as you've heard this message again and again, you've heard the invitations to receive Jesus again and again, that you're going to walk out of here rejecting Jesus again. But one day, I'm speaking to you as an individual today. One day it's going to be too late. And your blood's not going to be on my hands and you'll only have yourself to blame and you'll have to stand before the Lord one day and give answer to your account of your life. You know, the Bible says very clearly that today is the day of salvation. Today. And it says it for good reason because none of us are guaranteed another day. And today could be the day Jesus takes us all away. If you walk out of here today without Jesus, you're in the wrong occupation. You need to be a professional gambler because you must really feel lucky. But if you're smart, if you're wise, you'll heed this invitation. Jesus broke his body to make you whole. Jesus shed his blood to cleanse you of your sins. And Jesus is coming back soon to make things right again. I encourage you to be on the winning side and choose Jesus today. Would you stand with me? Lord, we thank you today for those that are here and maybe they've heard this message and maybe they didn't say that prayer earlier when they re received your cup and they actually received it in a, maybe out of habit but truly it was, it was really mocking you forgive us Lord for doing that and anytime we've ever done that but Lord for those of us today who, who didn't really pray that prayer and they're just ready for this message to get over with so they can get out of here because they're feeling such a conviction right now Holy Spirit make the conviction heavy right now lay it on it thick right now oh god don't let up even don't let up make it make it make it so convicting lord god that we've that, that we'll fall to our knees in repentance holy spirit come and convict us all of us of our sin right now help us lord jesus to not walk out here not one soul from this place not one person watching this from home that we would click off of this event this, this experience this time that we have and say well that's just another Easter service no 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 God let today be the day of salvation convict every last person in the, the sound of my voice of their sins and let us fall to our knees and repent of our sins and give thanks to the God above <clears throat> for giving us his son Jesus Christ for God, you so loved us that you gave us your only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let today be the day. Let today be the day. Let our brokenness be made whole in you. Let your shed blood cleanse us from our sins. Oh, Jesus, let today be the day. Don't you walk out of here thinking you got more time or this message isn't for you. It's exactly for you. 
And you may not have more time. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to splash some reality on things. Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you. And he wants to have relationship with you, to walk with you, talk with you, help you. What you're consuming right now is eating you alive. It's tearing you up. It's killing you. Taste and see that the Lord is good, won't you? Won't you do that today? Lord Jesus, for everyone in this place, if they haven't made a decision for you up to this point, let them do it right now. Simply say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Come live in my heart. Be the Lord of my life. It's that simple, yet that profound. He's done it all. All you got to do is open the door to your heart and invite him in. Won't you do that? Father, I thank you that I'm trusting that everybody within the sound of my voice, if the rapture were to take place right now, if that trumpet were to sound right now, that this room would be vacated of humanity and we would all be with you. Let that be the case. Oh God, I claim souls for your kingdom right now. Now Jesus, we thank you for your broken body and for your shed blood and that your return is soon. Help us to take that message that we've experienced here and now that we've had church and been equipped, help us to go out and be the church and, and preach the good news of the gospel, which is exactly what we heard today. Your shed blood, your broken body, and your soon return. That's the good news. It's that simple. Oh God, open up our mouths to tell others about it. And we thank you, Jesus. We love you and we honor you. Jesus, you're truly risen. And you're risen in our hearts. And you're alive in us. Oh, Jesus. Minister through us and out from us to a lost and dying world. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. Fill us right now and empower us with your Holy Spirit to go out and be salt and light. I just pray that, Jesus, over everyone in this place. Uh, to be a representative and a true ambassador of who you are, Jesus, and all that we say and do and think. We love you, and we thank you for what this day represents, and we celebrate you every day as our risen Savior and Lord. And all God's people said amen. Amen.